The Carmichael Dave Show. He's on the microphone when he's not on the microphone. He's playing a song, and when he's not playing a song, he's on the microphone, and then boom! With Jason Ross. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Call or text at 916-339-1140. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on Sacktown Sports. You have to find ways to win. And that game should give us confidence that we can win playing a lot of different styles. It doesn't always have to be 130 to 120 or 115 to 122. We can win. We just showed versus a really good team on their home floor off a back-to-back that we can win a game 100 to 98. And uh, our physicality in that game, in my opinion, is what stood out because we weren't shooting a three well. Um, and we were doing some things that you know, we weren't normally doing offensively that didn't help our case on that end of the floor. But uh, for us to be able to defend, uh, bring a level of physicality to the game, and try to limit our overall mistakes uh, gave, us, gave us a great chance to win the game, and our guys found a way. So, um, again, that game should give us belief that uh, – uh, our style of play or us getting wins just doesn't have to do with what our identity is, which is, quote, unquote, to play fast and score a lot of points. You know, we get it done a couple different ways. That was Mike Brown, head coach of your Sacramento Kings, yesterday at the Kings' first workout together, getting ready for the second portion of the schedule, the post-All-Star break edition, as uh, that begins tomorrow night at Golden One Center against the San Antonio Spurs. All right, it is Wednesday we now, each and every Wednesday, get a chance to talk with the TV analyst, our friend, your friend of the Sacramento Kings. That is Katie Christensen joining us here on the Folsom Lake Honda Hotline. Katie, good morning. How are you? I'm great, Jason. How are you? I'm doing well. I know we uh, we had the near uh, miss at 8. I'm glad we connected here at 9. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, was, uh, how was your break? Did you get away, do anything fun? Uh, you know, a little bit. It's kind of... I've always been like, especially because we traveled so much prior to the break, it's like coming back to travel is not as <laughs> as alluring as it might be sometimes. But yeah, I went up to Tahoe, took the kids um, sledding and did Disney on ice. You know, it was nice. a very mom filled uh, <laughs> all-star break. How was the snow, snow good up there in Tahoe? Oh yeah. We went up to Sugar Rush. Nice. Um, they have a great little place for sledding for the kids and it was, yeah, it was fun. It was nice. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I know everybody's looking forward now to this next group, next group of games, this batch. And, you know, do you think you were around the team? You saw them play. I thought I was really impressed with the last win to get that one in Denver was impressive. But did you get a sense being around them that uh, the break was coming at a good time for them? Oh, my goodness. I, I think that everyone needed it. And, you know, we always talk about the the physical component of, you know, if they've played 55 games, the all-star break, there's this, you know, kind of thing. It's like, oh, it's the midway point of the season. It's not. You're two-thirds of the, of the way through the season. And you look at the schedule and the travel and just, you know, how brutal this has been. And the Kings have had the third most, you know, difficult schedule of any team in this league this year. And so I'm like, I, I felt like De'Aaron about a month ago was, was, you know, looking a little bit worn down and tired, like the break couldn't get there fast enough. And, you know, it's the, it's the mental component of it, too, that I think they need a mental break from just the grind of the NBA schedule. Yeah, and so now they get that. Now we'll see what they do. Uh, we played some sound yesterday, or earlier in the show, I should say, from yesterday's first workout. 
And Mike Brown basically addressed two things that I'd like to ask you about that he said, you know, doing kind of some self-evaluating now that they've played this many games. They, they know what they need to do, what they'd like to improve on. And, and the first thing he brought up on the defensive end was a specific one, but he brought up three-point defense. When you watch this team, I think there's some reasons why they, they you know, protect the paint a little bit more. But schematically, what, what can they do better, I guess, to, to improve on that three-point defense? You know, it's interesting because <clears throat> they have not been a great three-point defensive team. Like, by the numbers, you absolutely know that. Um, but defensively, when it comes to protecting the paint, they are a much, much, much improved team this year. And so, you know, it's it's like how, the, the balance of how do you protect the paint at a high level, but also the three-point line. Um because the league has just changed so much with a three-point shot. And if you can get downhill and if you can get in the paint and then you can get a team in rotation and kick it around the outside, you're going to get an open shot. So I think the question more is about it's fundamentally like your closeouts. How, do you, how are you closing out to three-point shooters? Um, are you closing out to where you're, you know, going by them? You know, you're, you're rushing out and you're kind of defending and then they basically – you know, dribble sidestep into an open three-point look. Like, I think that that's one of the things that Mike Brown wants to focus on is just the way that they close out and make sure that you're closing out hard, but also in a position to recover so that they're not getting that that second look with the dribble sidestep three. So, you know, I'm curious, having a little bit of practice always is good, but you're going into this, you know, the stretch of the season where, okay, you play San Antonio, then you go to L.A., uh, and then come back, play Miami the next night, like you just immediately go back into it. So um, I always think it's really hard when you're deep in the season to make massive changes because I think those changes have to come with practice time, and there's just not a lot of practice time at this point in the season. So we'll see what schematically they're going to do to try and adjust that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it would feel as as glaring if they were shooting the three better themselves. They just haven't been – nearly as consistent as they were a year ago. But I think that Denver game is a really great example of, you know, how they were able to find a way to win despite the one thing that they rely on at a high level. It just wasn't going their way. And, you know, he said it in that soundbite, there was a physicality to the game. And I think that is going to make the biggest difference for them defensively is if they can bring a level of physicality on a more regular basis. The one he brought up, Katie, on the offensive end was was one we've seen, and it's an obvious one, I think, is free throws. And it's a little bit of a head-scratcher in this sense that um, there are good free-throw shooters on this team, and there are guys that are shooting below their norm. And and I don't know if that's, you know, as you as a former player, I, I, a million attempts? I don't know how many over your lifetime. You've, you know the premise. You know your routine. You've shot millions of them. Um, why a guy like Sabonis is down a little bit, and Fox, and then Monk, is in a little bit of a rut. I, I don't know the answer, but uh, that's an area that has hurt this team in games this year. That that area yeah, needs to get better. It needs to get better. I mean, you can't you can't win at a high level, and especially in clutch situations, you put yourself in a bad you know a bad spot when you're not knocking down free throws. And to me, honestly, there's too many great shooters on this team for their percentage as a whole to be so bad. Um, I haven't looked at it since, you know, before the break, but you know, it's, I think it's like what, 28, 29, 30. It's, it's pretty bad in terms of rankings in the league. And to me, the biggest thing it's, it's mental, it's mental. They had a couple games in a row where they really, really struggled, uh, you know, kind of a month or so ago. 
and it just I felt like it was an infection that went throughout the team. And so I I personally think, yes, it's about getting to the free throw line um, in practice in those situations. And it's not about like, oh, I'm going to make 100 free throws. You have to make them when you're running up and down. You have to you have to add that into kind of your free throw repertoire because it's different during the course of a game. You know, you might go and make 80 out of 100 free throws and you're feeling pretty good about yourself when you're in shooting practice, but then you get in a game and you don't have your legs underneath you. Then you factor in the mental side of it. The game is on the line, that kind of stuff. And, and I think, to me, the glaring problem has been more of a mental one. And it's like, how do you get out of that? That's that that is on each and every one of them individually to kind of adjust the mentality. As we're talking with Kings TV analyst Katie Christensen here on our Folsom Lake Honda hotline. So those are a couple of things coach addressed. You watch every game, you call every game. Anything I, I know there's always things to improve on, but anything else that kind of has your attention in the final twenty eight that you think needs to be tweaked and ramped up a little bit as they try to make the playoff push? I mean, that's a good question. I think, you know, I think Overall, they're doing a good job in terms of offensively, but there's been more situations to me. I feel like when there's a little bit more stagnancy, if you will, is, is that a word? We're making it one. <laughs> uh, yeah, in, in their offense. The thing that makes them great offensively is their willingness to move the ball, constant movement. It's so hard to defend. I don't care how, how good the team is defensively that you're going up against. But if you're moving the ball, you're switching it from side to side, you're getting those dribble handoff actions, those are really, really hard to defend throughout the course of a 24-second shot clock. And so, you know, I think that is something that they need to focus on at a, at a higher level because I felt like there was a drop-off specifically the last month or so. Um, but I've seen things like, you know, that Phoenix game um, that they lost during that, that road trip, you mm-hmm. know, after the Milwaukee game when they were they were up big and they ended up losing – you know, it's because Phoenix went to a small lineup. And then the next time they played Phoenix right before the break, they did an excellent job. So I feel like they've made adjustments and they've learned from things that have happened during the course of the season, things that they struggled with. So I'm really curious, actually, to see how they look against the Clippers. Um, because the two teams, you know, through the first 55 games of the season that they just consistently did not look good against, was New Orleans and um, the Clippers. Mm -hmm. So obviously those teams ahead of them in the standings, you have to close out the season. You have to make those adjustments against teams that you just clearly don't match up well against. So those are the things that I'm hoping to see here in the, you know, in the next week or two as they're going through and getting back into, you know, action coming out of the break is, have those adjustments been made? Have they learned from those previous losses? And how do they respond from that sense? But, you know, I, I'm a big proponent, Jason. Defensively, I feel like this team is better this year. They are. They're clearly better. Um, they're not great. I'm not saying they're a top 10 defensive team. But if you can be around 15, 17, 18 in that area, that's a jump from last year. And that's going to matter. Um, it's just the brutal thing to me is like the the Western Conference is just absolutely it, it's a gauntlet, and there is no easy night. Um, it, it, you have to you have to be able to come out and perform at a high level every single night. So you look at the standings right now, record wise, you know a little bit before the break. And again, like I'm not back into full work mode yet, so I haven't like crunched the numbers or done the things. Um, that'll I'll save for tomorrow. <laughs> I'm still trying to enjoy the last yeah. bit of my break. Um, but 
record-wise, they're right at around the same yep. that they were a year ago, but they were in third place last year. So that just shows a couple things. The Western Conference continues to get better, but also it's more healthy this year. Not as many teams have struggled with massive injuries that I think impacted last year in a way, and the Kings were very healthy. Um, so to me, it's like, how do you get yourself back in a situation where you're not in a plan situation? Yeah. Yeah. And that should be kind of the goal. You've got to get to about six. And right now, Dallas is ahead of you. The Kings obviously have played well against Dallas, but New Orleans is, I think, in that sixth spot right now. That's a team that you have to come out and perform better against. So we'll see kind of how it all, all you know, washes out here by the end of by the middle of April, the end of the regular season, to see if they're in a position where they have a good matchup potentially first round, and if they're they've made the adjustments that Mike Brown was talking about yesterday at practice that, you know, a couple small adjustments can really make a difference. You're talking about health too. And, and by and large, I think this team has had more injuries than last year. Nothing, you know, extremely debilitating, but like a guy like Sasha, who's a role player could help is, is going to be yeah. out for weeks. But one that was brought up yesterday at practice was De'Aaron Fox. And, and Katie, I know you've heard it. Like some people go, well, what's wrong with Fox? And then there's the night, like the Denver game where he is the reason they won the last 10 points, of the yeah. game, he takes over, but he, he basically admitted that that shoulder is a thing. It's a, it's he's. but you know what, as an athlete, if you play, if you go out there, you get evaluated. And, and so De'Aaron can still show us he's capable of scoring 40 and dominating the game with an injured shoulder, but maybe some nights the shoulder or just the game, it, it impacts him and he's not as effective how do you kind of, as a former athlete and now an analyst, kind of understand that role of, look, he's playing, so he's going to get evaluated, but he also is probably not 100%, So, um, and one of the most important pieces to this team. So it's a really kind of difficult dance for De'Aaron right now. It is, and you you, you can tell, and, and for some time now, you've seen in games where he takes a hit and he's, he's rubbing that shoulder, he's trying to stretch it out. It's obviously something that has been troubling him. One of the things I like about De'Aaron is he you never hear about it. Yeah. He doesn't complain. It's not on the injury report. It's just this is just the normal wear and tear um, that players are going to go through through the season. And when you look at the type of game he plays, it's such a physical um, style in terms of how teams are trying to defend him, especially when he gets in the paint, which he does you know, at a high level. And so those injuries are going to be there. It, you can't, it's not going to go away. He's not going to feel better until a couple months after the season, probably. So the the difference is though, it's the same thing. It's like when he's on the floor, even if he's not scoring, you know, 25, 30, 40, which we know he has the potential to do on any given night, like his presence on the floor still really impacts how teams have to play defensively against the five out there. So that opens up things for other people. And I've really appreciated the fact that I feel like DeMontis Sabonis has been so much more aggressive mm -hmm. offensively when it comes to looking for his own stuff. So, you know, if, if Domas is able to kind of pick up some of the slack, Kevin, like it has to be by committee. And then Harrison Barnes to me, he's played really, really well over the last month or so. I mean, everyone has little dips or whatever, but he's playing so 
so much more aggressively. And you look at it, he's like a, a 40% three-point shooter. And it's like, how how did you only take four shots total tonight? Like there was a stretch of the season for a, a decent stretch where that was going on. And I had a conversation with, you know, kind of the offensive coordinator, Jay Triano. And I asked him, you know, after that stretch where he was, you know, really having put together some some good games, I'm like, what's different? And he said, well, you know, it's kind of our approach to it that was different. You know, we look at the, the fact that on any given night in the starting five, probably the the worst defender of the other team in their starting five is probably going to be on Harrison. So we have to take advantage of that because he's a very capable um, offensive scorer. So we need to be more cognizant of looking for him early to get him going to, you know, take advantage of those mismatches. And Harrison is a high IQ player and he absolutely took that, ran with it and has been, you know, performing at a high level. So I think that that, you know, it all comes back to De'Aaron and the expectations of him, right? It shouldn't be where he has to score 40 every night. It's great when he does, but that means that a couple other of the starters are not carrying their load. So to me, for this team to be successful, they need to have a really, you know, uh, even scoring across specifically those, the starting five where you want to see them in double figures every single night. You talked about De'Aaron's expectations. What do you think about team expectations? And I think that's where it's kind of gotten into an area of maybe some frustration for the fans. And the way I've looked at it, Katie, I'm less concerned about their regular season record in the in the fact that, I, I mean, I just want them to be in that top six, to avoid the plane if they can, have their best yeah. possible setup. And and to me, my expectations are at that next level. It's it's the playoffs. And, and are they building enough of these defensive improvements and these little crumbs that they're showing us that can that give them some staying power to have playoff success? I mean, yeah, I'd love them yeah. to be the one seed, but if they're six and they advance, to me, that is growth as opposed to, yeah, sure, they could be the one seed, but if they get out in the first round, I, I'm not really, that doesn't really impress me that much. Yeah, you know, to me, it's so much about kind of momentum at the right time of the season. Mm-hmm. Like, you look back, Miami is a perfect example a year ago. You go play in team to going deep, deep, deep in the playoffs. Like every team is capable of that just because, you know, and the the Lakers are a good example last year as well in the Western conference, they were a play in team. They went deep. Like they absolutely struggled early in the season. And I mean, early in the season where it was like, what were they like two and 12 or something? I'm trying to remember when they started last year and it's like the sky is falling and all these things. And they made some adjustments at the at the trade deadline that really improved their team. And then they were a strong team in the Western Conference in the playoffs. And obviously they have experience and they have players that, you know, you can't you can't mess around with in a seven game series. Um, they're a problem. And so for me, I want to see that the Kings are peaking at the right time. They're making I feel like they've made improvements defensively. The numbers indicate that they have. Um, and the question is, okay, are you, is everything coming together at the right time? Um, I really think for this team to have success, they need to be more consistent from the three-point line. That is, to me, a big glaring difference between last year and this year. And I feel like they're trending in the right direction. Kevin Herter shooting the ball much better. Um, you know, you look at uh, Keegan, he is such a different player this year. So his three-point numbers are down. 
Um, but his overall numbers are up because he now is scoring at every level. He's not a one-dimensional player. And for a player to make that that jump from year one to year two is super, super promising, and it's great. And when you look at the matchups against the Brandon Ingrams, the Paul Georges, those are the games where he has to make the, the next step as well, where he's able to score at every level and be productive and be productive on the defensive end as well. And to me, his – his um, the the challenges that they're putting on him on the defensive end this year has impacted his offensive game in terms of the numbers. So we know that he can go and have a 40-point game. We know that he can score at a high level. But I want to see him be able to score at a high level in a game where he has to defend at a high level as well. Talking with Katie Christensen here on our Folsom Lake Honda Hotline. Katie, I want to ask you about the Spurs tomorrow night. I know you're not fully into that mode yet, but you saw them already this year. And mm-hmm. man, Victor Webinyama, I mean, just two games ago, he had a triple double with blocks. Yep. I mean, and <laughs> I saw him on the set of the all-star game and, um, you know, he obviously was just towering over like Charles and Kenny. And then when he gets up to Shaq, he's just bigger than him at seven, four. I, I just don't know what he ultimately is going to become, but right now watching him grow and develop is, is just, he's a phenomenon already. He is, and he's a special player. He's gonna be he's gonna be some a player in this league that he's gonna break all kinds of records. The numbers are gonna be insane. He's gonna continue to develop in terms of his body physically. He's not always gonna be a complete beanpole. I don't ever think he's gonna be a shack size. You know what I mean? But he obviously has such a great feel for the game. I think the biggest thing with the Spurs from what I've watched, and I don't watch a ton of them when it's not getting close to when we're playing them um, because, you know, they're just a team that's not really um, – what's the right way to say this? They're not a team that you're like, okay, I've got to keep an eye on them right. because they're a potential playoff matchup, right? But from what I've seen of them this year, the team just still – they his teammates don't necessarily know how to play with him the right way so the stats and the numbers he's putting up is is great but they're going to figure it out because obviously they have a hall of fame coach like he is one of the greatest coaches of all time and he's done an excellent job i feel at developing and teaching and i remember when they kind of started going into that rebuild mode i think everyone was like well pop isn't gonna want to stick around and develop youth like he that's not his his mo right and he's actually, I think, really dived into that mentality of he has an opportunity to really teach. And, you know, it's a process with these young guys. And so you look at kind of how they play with Wimpa and Yana right now, it's like, okay, like they kind of get it, but they're not even fully there yet. And when that all clicks and it locks in and they have the right pieces around them and, and all of that, this is going to be a really interesting team to watch over the next five years. Yeah, Kings just got to make sure they get through this one based on what you said. The Clippers come in, the heat after that. I, I know you guys have taken care of the bulk of the, the road portion of the schedule. A lot of games coming up at home, and uh, if they really want to do that damage, they got to they gotta own that home court coming up and a lot of beam lightings, let's hope. Yeah, March is going to be really, really critical um, because it's all going to be about, you know, obviously we talked about it earlier, like are you in that play-in situation or are you in the top six? And, yeah, the bulk of the travel schedule is kind of behind them, but coming out of the break, they still have quite a bit of travel before you hit the month of March. And, you know, you've got to go to the Clippers, you come home for one, then I think you go um, back to Denver, Mm. Minnesota, like there's some really, really tough games remaining on the road. 
Um, and those are the big ones that I think are going to make a difference. But when you look at taking care of home court, March is going to be a really, really, really critical month because you end the season, you know, in April, I believe there's another kind of three game road trip kind of right at the end before you come back for one. So it's going to be, um, it's going to go a long way to be able to say, Hey, like home floor, we have to be better. We have to take advantage of it. We have to use this crowd because this crowd is just by and far, like, like it gives such an advantage being in that building. Um, and they're smart fans. You know what I mean? Like they're, they understand that their presence makes a difference. And so they, they contribute from the sense of like the sound, the, how loud it is in there. It really, it can, it can be the final nail in the coffin for a team. So I think, yeah, you look at March and it's going to be a really, really critical month. Katie, we appreciate you uh, joining us each and every Wednesday. We'll do it again next week. Have a good call tomorrow. We'll see you out at the arena tomorrow night. All righty. Thank you very much. That's uh, Katie Christensen joining us. She got her break. The Kings got their break. Now let's hope they can uh, just vault into that final uh, push here in the final 28 games. Really good analysis from Katie. If you miss anything of any of our interviews, Jim Les earlier in the show, like tomorrow we'll talk to Sam Amick. Anybody you ever, uh, any portions of the show, you can always go back to sacktownsports.com. Show is ends up on the podcast. You can look it up and watch it via YouTube as well. And uh, go back and read comments there that you like as well. All that's available. All you have to do is go to sacktownsports.com. What to watch going forward, and also more good news. Scott Pollard's ride, it just keeps going, and the news gets better and better for him. We've got that and more still crosstalk with Styles and Watkins and celebrity birthdays all ahead here on Sacktown Sports. you up with the best in local sports. They just make it interesting, you know? It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on Sacktown Sports. Me? You? Me? You? Me? Huh? Thanks again to Katie Christensen, Kings TV analyst, joining us here tomorrow on the show. Spend some time with Kelly Brothers talking sports business. Sports business. business. Yeah, sports business, 7.30 tomorrow. Uh, Sam Amick from The Athletic. He'll join us at 8 o'clock. We'll see if he can help solve the All-Star game. And look Maybe. ahead. we'll look ahead to the Kings and Spurs, as well as the push for the postseason for many, many teams. So that's all coming up tomorrow. Still to come here in just a few moments. We're going to check in with Styles and Watkins. A little crosstalk coming your way and another round of celebrity cookies brought to you by our friends at Crumble Cookies. Not celebrity a lot. cookies? So, did I say celebrity cookies? Yeah. Celebrity cookies brought to you by our friends at Crumble Birthdays. No. Uh, Crumble Cookies brought to, you by, uh, brought to you by Crumble Cookies. We'll do celebrity birthdays coming your way. All right. Um, we mentioned yesterday... About the good news about Scott Pollard, former King, finally receiving uh, a heart transplant, which was needed and happened. And um, now the videos are like, Scott's thriving. I say thriving already, but he is up, he's moving, he's walking. Um, I know his wife posted, I think today might be a move out of ICU into a regular floor at the hospital. Um, I think the joke was, which their family is definitely a good sense of humor, because uh, the videos of you see Scott walking around carrying the the you know, dragging and pulling the medical pole that has all the wires and everything that he's connected to and all the things that are checking, you know, from 
something as basic as heart rate to, you know, giving him oxygen, blood levels, all that stuff. And he's walking around, and I think she said, well, hopefully when he moves to the next floor, they'll give him a longer gown. Yeah, those hospital gowns, especially for someone, what's Scott, 6'11", 7 feet tall, um, be a little short, a little short and revealing. But uh, obviously everything's good there, and I'm glad to hear that story. It's an incredible story for him. And many people like Scott Pollard have to go through this on a regular basis. And some aren't as fortunate as Scott. Maybe they never get the transplant in time or things don't uh, take as well. Uh, it's There's a lot of risk to it, but so far so good. And I, I love hearing that story and good news on that front. Uh, we mentioned tomorrow the San Antonio Spurs are here. And tomorrow we'll spend more time specifically on that game. We'll have a um, three in the key and some predictions on that. But I'm anxious for San Antonio coming in. I mean, Victor Webinyama is going to be something that is unique, is, is different, something we haven't seen. Literally at 7-4, and I think still growing uh, scarily enough. But he has been doing some amazing things, and I think people that came in right away with so much hype, so much expectations, like those summer league games that were televised that everybody went to go watch in person – and he's had a really good rookie year, but some people are like, yeah, he's not living up to the hype. Not living up to the hype. Now, they're not winning, but he's been absolutely incredible. And he's going to get better. He's still very young in his career, and it's been fun to watch. And so much so that there is some hype around him. There will be more hype as he gets better and better and the Spurs improve. Um, and we on our very own station on the weekends, and we have Imran Pilati in here every other week or so, uh, talking about cards and where the industry is and collectibles and things like that. But people are trying to collect Victor Webinyama merchandise in cards and rare cards. So I believe it was Prism that put out a rare, and I don't know the all the details of this, but it's a one-of-one, one, Victor Webinyama. And some were suggesting the retail value, just if you you know were able to get this card, just the first look at it without it being graded or anything, at around $100,000. Well, there are things called breakers where people open up cards and it's on camera, basically. And so you got followers and people can see what you're doing. So, Chris, you have this audio here? Uh, this is do. what it sounded like. I don't even remember where this came from. Where was it? Uh, was this in China? Uh, Beijing. Beijing. All right. Here was the reaction to opening this pack of cards and the reveal that it ended up being the Victor Weminyama one of one. There's the lead. They think. Maybe. It's a rookie. They got the Victor well, Wembanyama. It's funny. The first thing that they get excited for is a J- uh, Jason Williams card. Yeah, Jay Will on the front. But they're also – that's the way a lot of people open. Like, they know the the last card that they're kind of covering is is the special insert. And then they're just trying to reveal whether or not, you know, they see it's – I think it's a black prism. There's, you know – um. I don't even know all the proper terms, but as they're revealing, you could see that it's a rookie, and so they're just like, oh, my gosh, is this a spur? It's a spur, and then it's Victor Wembanyama. I've heard, I think I saw a follow-up to that, that they've already put it out there now at $500,000. So it's like kind of when it's out there in the world, revealed, 
at about a hundred thousand dollar value. Now that card might be worth five hundred thousand. Chris, if you got that card and someone was willing to pay you first off a hundred thousand, but let alone five hundred thousand, you're selling that, right? Yes. Yeah. No hesitation. I don't think I own anything that I would want to keep for. Yeah, I'd be nervous. One, I'd be nervous about it. Two, um, that's one of those things. Like, if you got it, you want to tell people, but also, do you want to tell people? Because it's like, is that safe? Where do I put it? Where I probably want to get it off my hands, but also, okay, so let's play that game. You would probably sell it, which I wouldn't even say is wrong. Would you have any regrets if at some point, 15 years down the line, Weminyama's having a career? I wouldn't even give him a LeBron or Jordan career, but he's having a Jokic career, whatever. A great career. And that card's worth a lot more. No. You still made money. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I'd be happy with that. Yeah, I don't think that's one like, hey, if I had hung on to my house for 15 more years, yeah, sure. But did you make money on it? Good for you. But good for them. That's the fever that's out there for Victor Wembanyama, at least in this group of rookies from the NBA. When we come back, Celebrity Birthday is brought to you by our friends at Crumble Cookies and Crosstalk with Styles and Watkins as we wrap up the Wednesday show of the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross here on Sackdown Sports. It's time for the news of the day. The latest headlines, the biggest stories, hard-hitting analysis. Yeah, this is none of those things. And now, here's Carmichael Dave and Jason Ross. Wow, the things you learned. About Nate Littlefield. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> Wednesday. Yes. Yeah. We've done that before where we've asked people what you think you're good at, like outside of maybe the norm. Like, you know, oh, and Nate yeah. basically Nate says he calls? thinks he's elite at prank calling. <laughs> elite uh, prank caller. Yeah. Come on. Is there something you guys think you're elite at? Like above the average, above the norm, then like, and it could be something completely odd. Y- you know what? There's something for me that I think has been funny because I, I don't actually think it's unique because once they get to me they've already blown up but I've been that guy that feels like I got an ear for talent after they're already on the radio or whatever oh, so you're late I, you think right, you're Destiny's Child I'm looking at Beyonce you know what she's going there, there's places there's something there so in my mind I guess I thought I had an ear but she wasn't quite Beyonce yet that's right that's right and prior to Apple Music and Spotify all the streaming what Chris knows the hot Hot new hip hop oh, yeah. and all this. Gap I, and I was the guy that felt like, oh, when I put in my auxiliary cord, you guys don't know this dude, but he's about to blow yeah. up. And I'd be right. I don't know. I had a pretty good batting average. Success rate. Yeah, good. probably okay. about. I probably hit about four hundred. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, and I'm talking. You know, they What's had your a little miss? cup of tea. <laughs> my biggest miss. You'll probably you. Well, the point is, you never would have heard yeah. of him. I, Chris, and you probably I remember this guy. I feel like I know where you're going. I thought Kid Ink was going to oh. be that guy. Wow. I thought Kid Ink. Yeah. He was this. Is it too dude. late? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he missed Ink. his run. He was in He's L.A. In L.A. Like super tatted Tyga. up. Yeah. Discount Tyga. Kind of yeah. looked like Tyga. Mm-hmm. And I, I was playing that for all my buddies at baseball <laughs> thinking, this is it. This is the guy. Get, get this to is know the this. Guy. <laughs> and they didn't. Does he yeah. don't tell him? That, no. what, oh, that whole yeah, DJ Mustard era. And yeah, so that was my biggest miss. Anything for you, Chris? It's like a hidden... I don't know if it's hidden talent or something you think you're better at than most. I think 
you know, you've you know asked I mean. me this question yeah. before a while ago, and I'm going to regret saying it because I had to learn the hard way last time, but I feel like I'm really good at when things drop from the shelf. I always catch it. <laughs> like, I have like a 95% like catch this rate. instinct. You mean Spidey like you sense. sense. Spidey sense yeah. in a way for sure. Like, yeah. if things drop, like, I'm always sticking my foot out to make sure it doesn't, like, yeah. crack. And you yeah. save it. I save like 90 I'm going to raise it again, 98% of things. That's, that's yeah. going to come you in throw, handy. I, well, the yeah. problem is, this is literally what happened last time, is Verlag did the same exact thing, because I knew it was happening through something Doesn't count, last then. Time. Doesn't count. Oh, I you were it. aware. I caught it. Yeah. That's going to exactly. that's gonna, that's gonna keep in handy yeah. when you have kids. I obviously yes. have to. Oh, yeah. yeah. It will. Yeah. yeah. It will. They drop a lot. And has Nate tried this uh, prank call on the show yet? Or I mean, if he no. says he's a lead at it. No. I'm very scared for letting Nate prank call somebody on okay. there. Yeah. Maybe it should I feel like that yeah, but I'd like to know what his prank calls are like. Well, he told us one. That <laughs> it was a pretty good one. It the was one pretty good. It was, pretty it was good. a lot of work to that it's, one. It's funny you bring that up because I literally had a dream a couple nights ago about some type of... Because, you know, you listen to other radio stations and they do love traps and things mm-hmm. like that. And I was wondering, is that too far off our brand? But now we're going to workshop this thing <laughs> and bring Try it back. Yeah. Hey, Jason said it. And yeah. He's a legend. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? We got to do it now. Um, this is, You said dreams. This is how the show started with Chris and I. Do you guys, either of you, have sports dreams still? In my sleep? Yeah. Yes. Like when you're dreaming, like about from when you played or just mm. yeah. at anything. Any, yeah. You still do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not really. They're bad. Yeah. They're bad. Okay. Why? Because I never hit a home run at Temple, and my dream is always hitting the fence. Oh my! Because in my dream, you still that hit the fence, terrible. and that's literally what happened in real life. Oh my and I just keep thinking, if I, I they they actually in college, I think a year or two after I graduated, it's they, gone. No, they, it's not. They, so change, sad. they change the balls, right? Yeah. And in in. In the College World Series, the home just all throughout college baseball, all the home runs went up. So I literally played between the beginning of BB Core and before they fixed. It. I played in the dead era of college baseball. Otherwise, and I, you'd and, have a few bombs. And I and I hit and I had at least seven doubles off the fence. Yeah. And it's just a, a reoccurring dream for me. I just imagine like Alan saying, like one day I'm going to hit a home run, and then someone's like, in your dreams, pal, and he's like, not even, not yeah. even, man, <laughs> not even. I was saying like the recurring ones, almost like when you had like if people had the ones that they stress about, like late for work or I'm, I'm not. Yeah. Prepare for this test, and it's like whatever. I have the one in baseball where I, I might hit it a mile. Forget mm. the, the fence, but I can't can't run. I, I can't get to first. Yeah, it's like I'm just. Are you injured? Like, no, I don't know. Or I'm just, like incredibly it's slow. Or the base is moving, yeah, it and it's like, weird. oh, this That's is a home weird. run, and then it's like, oh wait, the outfielder's got it. I'm. I'm not going to make it. And that's it's just weird. like, that's, I don't know what the, the there's got to be a reason behind that. I don't know what it is. There is like a psychology behind dreams yeah. where it's like, if you're dreaming a specific thing or anything like that, like they can try and pull, yeah. I mean, really trauma out mm. of your dreams. But that one comes, I'm not saying it happens. Maybe right. it's happened maybe 10 times in my life, but it's more than once. And it's right. like, yeah. what is it about? Like, I can't get there. I'm not right. I'm like, I'm, mm. I'm in quicksand or something. Right. So I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, they it's get bad metaphor. for me yeah. beginning of beginning of and you the college the baseball season. Yes, and then during MLB playoffs, that's when it's that's <laughs> oh, when I that's yeah. when I avoid that's sleep. When you're peaking. <laughs> yes, that's when I avoid sleep. Shout out Sac State got hit. The guy got hit eight times. Is that crazy? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm apparently not mistaken, doesn't really crowd the dish either. That's what oh, so that's what I yeah, yeah I wasn't I sure. Thought, no, that's I asked some people over there. They're like, no, not not really. 
Hmm. It's just like uh, in Step Brothers, he's like, you just got a really punchable face. <laughs> something about exactly. it's just like I don't know something and about you. I just really want to loyal beat. to Marymount's hitting them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think I, I think, hit nine or ten times overall I think the I, whole team. Right. I think I got. I think I read that the ump called him back one of the times. He did. He yeah. was taken away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My God. That's the thing. I think that I was telling the guy I know over at Texas the first baseball game I played in high school ever. I got hit three times mm-hmm. in the same game, and I'm thinking, but that's the only. I, I wasn't. That was it. Right? And yeah, it wasn't a trend. It just was a weird day. Huh. But eight is ridiculous. Eight it's is crazy. ridiculous. Come on. Eight's crazy. Yeah, I don't like That's never personal. Liked getting yeah, hit. that's yeah. really personal. Eight is enough. Eight is enough. Uh, what's coming up on the show today? Yeah, we are breaking down. We're tying a bow on the first half of the King season, surprises and letdowns, things like that. We have Larry Kruger at 11 nice. because he said some very interesting things about Kyle Juszczyk, who people are very protective over and what the Niners are going to do there. And then we're looking forward to the Kings and the last third of the yes. season. De'Aaron Fox, finally, we've been taking texts and calls for months and the sack chatter, the sack mob, however you identify, about De'Aaron Fox in his shoulder. And yesterday he finally brought it up. So that is how we are basically leading the show. Yeah, it's even a weird clip. We played it. It was like, yeah, yeah in the – you know, no, I didn't really have it scoped or looked at or I, I don't even know. Like, I just you know it's don't not torn. Know? You should know if you had it looked at, right? It's not going to be right. It's not going to be. It's not going to be better in five days. But I know it's not a labor. Right. Okay. okay. <laughs> Something's up. But that's don't fine. He's play- and then he dropped. What was he great against the Nuggets? The last game right. break won yeah. the game basically with the last ten points. Uh, today is National. What is this? Grain free day. Mm. Mm. A national paleo? sticky bun day. I'm into sticky buns. So what's a sticky bun in a cinnamon roll? What's what's really the cousins, difference? right? There, they, there are there is know. a difference. I don't think sticky bun have uh, uh, icing on it. Mm. This is maybe really like nuts. Dave's yeah, and most sticky buns will have nuts. Yeah, and okay. c- cinnamon rolls. I don't do think not. I've had a sticky bun. <laughs> They're boy buns. Yeah, <laughs> We're, we've been doing closeouts and shoutouts on yeah. on Fridays, and I know it's only Wednesday, but I got to give a shout out. To my little sister, she fired up some cinnamon rolls, and they rivaled Cinnabon. Oh, it was yeah. insane. really tough to make cinnamon rolls. Oh, like, you these want were crazy. Ever. You want some cinnamon rolls in Sacramento, please? Spinners, spinners. Yeah, it's in like a gas station. So you're like, oh, I think I'm in the wrong spot. No, they're like the best. Yeah, I'm in. Yep. Okay, I'm Land in. Park. Got to bring those in one day. And by the way, I I've been doing my Alan asks on Twitter, and the one I've I've gotten responses get, yeah. on all of them. For, yeah. The one I did not get one response mm-hmm. on. Actually, it was pretty funny. The one response I got was Cheesecake Factory, and I don't know if this person thought that I was yeah. saying something else because I said, "Where is the best place to get a cheesesteak in Sacramento?" And nobody responded. Yeah, I didn't have an answer. I honestly would have said like. Chris didn't I have an answer. I jokingly said Jersey Mike. I, that's have the an first answer. thing yeah. that came up to my so mind. So that's what that's what Sack doesn't have. Yeah, I, I really don't think, think there's a spot on how. If, I think it's more of like a chain type of. Spot. You're not giving me you're I, you're not giving me confidence, Chris. If that's well, the never, one thing, I never had it. It's one of those things like you drive by and it's like I was thinking Jersey Mike's. Though. Yeah. If that's the one thing that Sack is missing, I'm good with it. Okay. I can I can get it somewhere. Yeah. You were craving it or just? Yeah, I have cravings. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And dreams. Yeah, and dreams. <laughs> to get celebrity birthdays correct, not a perfect number every day. Let's see. We got it brought to you by our friends at Crumble Cookies, as birthdays are meant to be spent with family and friends, and nothing brings family and friends together better than Crumble Cookies. All right, it's February 21st, and we say happy birthday to Jennifer. Hudson. Lawrence. Uh, Hewitt. Yes, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Ah. Huh. Huh. I forgot the love. I did Jennifer forget. Love Hewitt. Mm. Is how old today? Yeah, that's 
Whoa, I'm gonna get, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I'm going to guess 45. Oh, that's... I was going to go higher. You went, yeah, <laughs> you I'll, say, uh, I'll say 49. I'm going to stick to my guns and say 50. 50, all right. Well, guys, we have a correct answer, and it belongs to... Christopher Lodd, okay. 45. You guys are disgusting. <laughs> you thought it was Jeez. absolutely disgusting. <laughs> uh, happy birthday to Jordan. Cool. Hicks. Farmar. Peel. B. Michael. Peel. Jordan Peel. That's a these, these, are, these, are, these are tough ones. Ah, uh, man. Oof. He's got another movie coming up, by the Does way. It? Oh, but yeah. But it's not like a yeah. scary one. Yeah. I like his yeah. movies. He has good movies. Yeah. Mm, Jordan Peele. Let's. I'm gonna uh, guess. Yeah. 42. I was, gonna say 43. Uh, I was going. I was going up again. I don't know what it is today. 47. So 42. What? 43. Say? 43. 47. We have a tie. 45. Tie between you two. Interesting. Mm. Huh. Uh, okay. Happy birthday. Let's see where we're gonna go. Steve. Harvey. Perkel. Balmer. Stevie Franchise. Steve Francis. Ah. I love Stevie Franchise back in the day. Yeah. Kind of fizzled he, at the end, huh? Killed mm-hmm. the Kings in a It was that series, trade with him and Tracy oh, McGrady. Oh. That's when yeah. he disappeared. Yeah. I don't think so. Forty is is. I see forty-five too. Forty-five again. That sounds right. Um, Stevie franchise forty-eight. Ooh, I was gonna say forty-eight. I'll say forty-seven. We have a correct answer. Chris Rolod, forty-seven. Oh. Oh, Happy gosh. birthday to former King Dante Green. Oh my gosh! What a throwback! I really wanted Dante Green to work out. A lot um, of people did. I know. Uh, we'll say Dante's thirty-nine, thirty-five, thirty-eight. Uh, Christopher Lott for the win, thirty-six. And the last wow. one we'll give you is Jeez, Happy Birthday to Kelsey Grammer Frazier. Wasn't he at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a side next to Vivek one time. It was like totally one of the random. first celebrities he brought out yeah. like after he bought the He's movie. 73. I did not know who Kelsey 74. Was um, I'll say 77. Uh, Chris was the closest, <laughs> was 69. By the way, the reason I was looking at my phone is because you said Dante Green, and I just did Locked On Kings, and I was reading the comments, and someone said, I clicked so fast when I saw the thumbnail because I thought it was Dante Green. Oh yeah. Do I look like Dante Green? Um, maybe a I, quick glance. Yeah, I mean, if okay, I could see a little. We'll bit. add it to the list. We'll add it to the list. <laughs> Who else is on the list? Donald Glover. Donald Glover. I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And Denzel. Gotta go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> no Denzel Washington coming up next, <laughs> yes. and Chris, like a cat who can catch everything. Those yes. guys are coming up next here on Sacktown.